the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Monday, May 15th, 2023. I am Seth Liebson. 602-508-0960 is the number. Got David Dahl in the producer's chair, and I got Bill to my right. I was having a disheartening conversation with a friend this weekend about a lot of the news of the past week, be it the crisis at the border, which includes shootings, teenagers' death in custody, and the arrest of would-be immigrants wanted on the FBI terrorism watch list, be it the House Oversight Committee revelations about the Biden family's massive take of income from foreign and enemy countries, um, or more revelations about the intelligence community's interference in the 2020 election with regard to the Biden laptop. And now I would even add what John Durham just unfurled, which we will be speaking about shortly. And of course, all the rage of any of the above from about half the country and 80 percent of the media was the Trump CNN town hall and its aftermath and fallout, mostly that Donald Trump will not let go of his lies about 2020. The disheartening part of the conversation with my friend was a thesis that drives, of course, to some cynicism, if we are not careful, but something I think does matter so that it does not drive us to cynicism, including me. It is now my ongoing question about whether the truth matters here anymore. Does the truth matter? Do the facts matter to people anymore? There is such a level of either invincible ignorance or ideological blindness that permeates our political sensibilities that it just doesn't seem as if people care about facts anymore. And yet we know we can't let this happen. We know what Alexander Solzhenitsyn said to be true. The only way a tyranny can exist is by lies and is our duty to live not by them. We are here to have personable, personal non-participation in lives. That is what we have to do. No participation in lies. But, and this is my worry, do we still have that? I was thinking of something Abe Greenwald at Commentary wrote. He wrote, everyone lives now. Everyone lives. Everyone lies now. Everyone lies. We live in an age of bipartisan, institutional, cross-cultural fabrication. And we're talking whoppers here. Public health officials lied about the necessity of school closures and the efficacy of masks. Two opposite mask lies at different times, actually. The bureaucratic and media elite lied about the likely origins of COVID-19. The press lied about the peaceful nature of BLM riots. Twitter lied about its policies. The entire medical and psychological establishment lies about the difference, the differences between male and female. He goes on, it's not just the establishment that lies. In response to these official lies, anti-establishment types tell lies as well. They lie about the safety of vaccines. They lie about Russian and Ukrainian deaths and Putin's war. And we can't forget Joe Biden, who lies when he whispers and lies when he shouts. The president lies about everything from his policy record to his relationship with his son to his academic credentials. Biden has told three different lies about being arrested. 
In one, it was for civil rights activism. In another, it was for trying to see Nelson Mandela. And yet another, it was for sneaking into a women's dorm. Lying isn't special. It's the default mode of public debate in the 21st century, close quote. We could go on and on with this list, as in things Fauci said when he worked in the government and things he says now, as in Randy Weingarten and what she said when Fauci worked in the government and things she says now, as in what Joe Biden said at Howard University in a commencement speech this weekend about Donald Trump praising white supremacists in Charlottesville, or his claim that White supremacy is the most dangerous threat to our homeland. Or Alejandro Mayorkas's and Karen Jean-Pierre's claims about the border being secure. I mean, there are just too many to count. We are saturated in and by lies. How about Leah Thomas as a woman? Or that we are against teaching an accurate history of America? Or that we are banning and blacklisting books in school libraries? So it dawns on me. You could sit down with a group of 10 committed Democrats who think political grift is awful and who donate to organizations to prevent it, like Common Cause. You could then show them the family, the Biden family record. You could sit down with a group of 10 committed Democrats who think the freedom of the press is the most important thing to our democracy and who donate to organizations like the Press Freedom Defense Fund. And you could show them what the media did to the New York Post. You could sit down with a group of 10 committed Democrats who think government abuse of power for political purposes is Nixonianly evil and who donate to organizations like the ACLU. You could sit down with any number of people on any number of issues and prove to them beyond the veracity of our facts, and they would not care. Their ideology is so binding and blinding, they just would not care. And they don't or won't care because truth does not matter to them anymore. As the scientist whistleblower puts it in Chernobyl, what is the cost of lies? It's not that we'll mistake them for the truth. The real danger is that if we hear enough lies, then we no longer will recognize the truth at all. Recognize. That's an interesting word he uses. And it has a couple of important meanings. One, you recognize someone or something that you actually respect or wish to honor, as in should we recognize so-and-so who may be a guest at a party or a meeting or event. Another etymology of recognize is from its Latin origin cognoscere. It means to know, to get to know. In other words, it means to respect and honor something that is known. Do we do that here anymore? What is the cost if we keep going along this way? Solzhenitsyn said, quote, We have so hopelessly seeded our humanity that for the modest handouts of today, we are ready to surrender up all principles, our soul, all the labors of our ancestors, all the prospects of our descendants, anything to avoid disrupting our meager existence. We have lost our strength, our pride, our passion, but fear only to take a civic stance. We hope only not to stray from the herd, not to set out on our own and risk suddenly having to make do without the white bread, the hot water heater, or a residency permit, close quote. We don't understand here at this point the original point of the First Amendment, it's important to add, right? It wasn't just to protect opinion and dissent, but to ensure that truth would be heard told and recognized, especially 
truths the government may, may be concealing. Yes, opinion and dissent protected by the citizen. But truth-telling protected for the press. James Madison, in promoting the First Amendment, thought truth being protected by a free press so important that he called it, quote, a bulwark of liberty, close quote. Bulwark of liberty. Bulwark. What does that mean? A wall of defense. As Justice Hugo Black and William O. Douglas wrote in the Pentagon Papers case, the First Amendment was designed to prevent government deceit and deception. Their words. Deceit and deception are obviously opposites of the truth. They are lies. Thus, we owe it to ourselves to remind ourselves that liberty, freedom, can only be maintained when that one thing James Madison and Alexander Solzhenitsyn thought so important is appreciated here, which is to say the truth. But do we live in an age that supports all this or discounts all this? As Solzhenitsyn worried, have we all become witting and unwitting servants of lies? After all, lies, he said, only exist as parasites do when attached to a person or a people. Joe Biden used the word truth nine times in his Howard University commencement and probably told twice or three times as many lies. I don't know if he knows the difference due to either cognitive disability or being steeped in the power of his ideology over truth, such that the only thing he means by truth is his truth, the third-person version of my truth. He has told lies his whole career, and no doubt he has had staff to correct him, as no doubt certainly someone by now has told him he has the narrative of Charlottesville wrong, but he doesn't care. His truth is more important than the truth. So what happens to a country where individuals believe the same thing or at least satisfy themselves with the same notions of living by lies because they go to a bigger and more satisfying truth, which is the truth of what they want to be true or believe to be true for purposes of ideology? Well, whether we are dealing with theories of racial superiority or economic class warfare, it is the power of ideology over truth that defined the kind of regimes Solzhenitsyn was imprisoned by and warned against. And his warning was based on what roads lead to those kinds of regimes. The, uh, this issue was Solzhenitsyn's passion. Solzhenitsyn, it's hard name to say. This issue was Solzhenitsyn's passion for about a decade and his passionate warning to us. Some may even recall his famous speech at another commencement, the Harvard commencement of 1978, where he opened his speech reminding the attendees of the school's motto, Veritas, truth, and that beyond the neglect of truth, even the illusion of truth is dangerous. We're pretty far down that road these days and believe things we shouldn't that are simply unbelievable, not believable because not true. And we convince ourselves that it either doesn't matter or that they are true. A distorted and disoriented view of reality in the field of psychiatry with regard to an individual we either call psychopathy or psychosis. It is a disease, a disease that leads to paranoia, emotional disruptions, anxiety, lack of motivation, and a difficulty of functioning overall. 
Sound familiar to the times we live in at all? If it's true of a people or a person, can it not be true of a country? Anyway, I worry about this and whether truth matters anymore here. Not whether it should, but whether it does. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Well, the Democrats can't say that there would be anything they wouldn't do to win an election. The John Durham report just came out. It'll be another interesting example of whether it's going to matter, of whether truth and facts and scandal matter. I was talking to a different friend this morning about four different scandals of the Biden administration, each and every one of which is bigger, far more consequential, monumentally more consequential than Watergate ever was. <laughs> the New York Times headline, by the way, last week, the New York Times headline headline on, um, on uh, the James Comer release of Biden family ties, uh, Biden family making nine members of the family making millions of dollars. Do you know what the New York Times headline was? Biden vindicated. Joe Biden vindicated. Why? Why could they get away with writing that headline? They could get away with writing that headline because they hadn't yet shown how the 10 percent went to the big guy. They hadn't yet tightened that part up. They haven't yet disclosed or been able to establish that. That's how they could get away with it. It will, if you use similar standards of journalism, require the New York Times, the Washington Post, to go back to 1973 and 1974 and say, Nixon vindicated in Watergate report because there was no ties ever showing Nixon ordered the Watergate burglary or series of scandals. Now, you don't need to show money flowing into Biden's bank account, personal or any LLC he may have formed. Just knowing that his family is becoming multimillionaires off his name is sufficient enough to show he's not vindicated. And how that money stopped the moment he left being vice president is its own interesting thing. But let me go to John Durham for a moment. Let me go back to John Durham's and the report for just a moment. Steve Hayward uh, writes, Justice Department Special Counsel John Durham has at long last released his final report in the FBI's investigation of the Trump-Russia hoax of 2016. And even the mainstream media can't conceal or disguise the blows Durham delivers at the FBI. CNN headline, Special Counsel John Durham concludes FBI never should have launched full Trump-Russia probe. Washington Post, Durham report sharply criticizes FBI's 2016 probe of Trump campaign. New York Times, in final report, Trump-era Special Counsel denounces Russia investigation. Now, why do you think the media is willing to have those tough headlines today? We'll see, by the way, we'll see if they're attenuated tomorrow. We'll see if they're watered down a bit tomorrow. But why do you think that they're okay with doing it today? 
One, yes, they're online and not as consequential as the print editions that will come out tomorrow, which is why I raised the question of whether they'll be attenuated or not. But two, all they have to say is we were relying on the FBI. Now, the reason that's insufficient to me goes back to my monologue. The media wanted to believe what the FBI was telling them about Trump and Russia. It wanted to believe that. So that's the storyline it printed ad nauseum throughout the Trump presidency. The media's job was to question the FBI. Anyone doubt that? See every story about the FBI and CIA circa 1970 to 1980. It was the journalist's job to question the FBI. It is not the journalist's job to be the press operation and command center of the FBI. Well, the findings are outrageous. And no one will be arrested. And no one will go to jail. Now, as I understand it, John Durham will be testifying before Congress next week. So there's another round of possible publicity on this. And I suspect that Republican candidates for office, particularly for presidency, will now double down on talk about massive reform, if not replacement, of the FBI. That is certainly one thing Republicans in Congress can do about this report. They can defund certain aspects of it. They have that power. It's really, besides that and calling witnesses to testify before them, the only power they have at this point. But when we come back after our uh, economy update, I'll get into some of the things the Durham report has released. It's an incredible story. It's an incredible story of abuse of power. It's an incredible story of playing off fears and emotions. And somewhere, somehow, I have this image of Al Gore screaming, they played off your worst fears. Oh, he said that about Iraq. Ought to say it about the integrity of the 2016 election. Ought to say it about the legitimacy of Trump's presidency. For all of this was the basis of Jimmy Carter and Nancy Pelosi and Hillary Clinton and far too many Democrats to mention, claiming for four years and instantiating in the popular mind for four years the illegitimacy of the Trump election and collusion and working on behalf of Russia, zero of which was true. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. John Dombrowski is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is the website. You can reach out to him, and uh, it's a great, it's a fun website. It's a bright website, as John is. He's also the host of his own show, heard here every Saturday morning at 7 a.m., The Word on Wealth. Al McCoy may have called his last game and be retired now, but... John is just getting started. How are you, John? Sitting on top of the world. 
Heartbreak Hotel. Did you realize that was his phrase? Uh, I no. did not. No, I did not either. And when you taught me what a burger, what a shot, yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize this because I wasn't living here at the time, I guess. But yeah. that's because Whataburger was sponsoring the yeah, song. Yeah, it was. Okay. And they would give $50 yeah. for every three-pointer. Dan Marley was the big three-point shooter at the time. That's so It goes fun. way back. Yes. Anyway, if you want to... You know, double time yes. between Grand Canyon planning and calling games. <laughs> the seat's open. Uh, I wouldn't be that good. Yeah, I, I, you do I could, it here every day. Oh, I know. But I during a whole show, during a whole game, I, I think I'd lose my focus. I don't think you've I'd ever be lost in, your focus. Enjoying. Consumer debt, uh-huh. John. That's a yeah. big story. Um, mm-hmm. Passes seventeen, excuse me, seventeen trillion dollars for yes. the first time. I mean, our government debt's hitting about thirty trillion now. Consumers hold almost half of yeah. the same amount. I wow. think we're we're taking a cue from the government. Yeah, it, it sounds like, like it. <laughs> yeah, and you know, what's interesting in this article too, though, of course, when we see that type of debt, we start to think, oh my gosh, that's you know, how is that possible? Uh, but you know, you, there have have been a lot of individuals out there that have seen their uh, value of their estates increase substantially since uh, 2020. Uh, believe it or not, right, since the pandemic. And a lot of that is because of housing. We saw the, the price of housing just uh, skyrocket. Uh, and one of, the, one of the nice things, I think, in this report that we see, yes, we have a lot of debt, uh, but we're not seeing the this, this same foreclosures that we've seen in the past either. Uh, remember, we've talked about this a number of times, but all of the refinancing that was done yeah. uh, during uh, the last couple of years, uh, we I believe it was 14 million mortgages, it says in this CNBC article, were refinanced during the pandemic uh, starting in March of 2020. Mm-hmm. And um, 64% of those were considered what they call rate refinancing. So they're just looking to take uh, advantage of lowering their current loan. Uh, and had an average savings of over $220 a month for most of those borrowers. So um, that was obviously a wonderful opportunity for for many people if they had that chance uh, to refinance, to lower those rates, in many cases below 3%. Now interest rates are uh, well above 6, uh, 6% right now, probably pushing uh, you know 6.5%. One of the interesting things about this is when you look at the kinds of debt that they're counting in this $17 trillion, it's everything. It's uh, yep. not just credit cards. It's actually right. a lot of it is the mortgage. Some of it is student yep. loans. Student debt, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. student loan debt. And kind of odd when you look at how the administration is looking to kind of play games with how to refinance and lower those debts, having mm-hmm. other people pay for it, whether it's the new mortgage plan or the student loan thing. But what I was kind of interested, too, is I was digging into this story a little bit. I was kind of looking at the credit card debt situation, John. Right. And it looks like about average credit card debt, just a little north of 7000 Yeah, is the average. What's interesting to me about that is if you go back, is that a record high? Is that a record low? It's increased about a thousand yeah. for the past several years. It's mm-hmm. gone from five to six to seven. Right. And I you know, we keep thinking financial literacy and, and, and aims at making people understand the dangers of this. It seems like they haven't gotten it yet, unless yeah. inflation is adding to this yeah, as well. Yeah, that's where that's I was going to go with this. Go. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the cost of everything has increased drastically, and um, wages have not kept up with that. Uh, so you've got a lot of people out there that may be working uh, two jobs or mm-hmm. maybe have a two-income household, uh, and they're trying to make ends meet, and it's it's more and more difficult. Uh, and I would just be real cautious or, or tell people to be very cautious about you know using credit card and maintaining a high credit card debt. 
that type of interest on that um, debt uh, is just uh, staggering, and it, it, it's almost impossible uh, to to get that debt lower if you continue to charge more and, and make it worse and, and worse. So, and if you think it's you know for emergencies and you'll get another job, maybe we can pick up on this story tomorrow over at the Wall Street Journal. Be really careful here because the white collar jobs, they're yeah. disappearing. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about that tomorrow, too. You bet. Uh, and again, now Securities and Advisory Services offered through Creative One Securities LLC, a member of FinRen Sipic, and Investment Advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Go to our website, GrandCanyonPlanning.com, and you can request an appointment with me right there. You don't think you can do that for four quarters? Uh, of course I could. With an intermission? <laughs> of course you can. And take a few three-point shots between. Yeah, and get a few burger uh, sponsors <laughs> along the way. Thank you, John Dabrowski. Thank you. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960, Steve is in Tempe. Hello, Steve. Hello, Seth. How are you? Uh, doing good. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask or add something to what you had, you had touched on it last week, and, and obviously this week we're closer to that meeting that's going to take place between McCarthy and Biden as it relates to the debt ceiling, correct? Well, they were supposed to meet Friday, and Biden put it off. I I didn't see if they had rescheduled. Yeah, for some reason I heard or thought that that meeting was taking place tomorrow, but I, I, you know, I I could be wrong about that, but but, uh, that's beside the point. What I what I wanted to You're right. It does say yes, I am seeing that story. Yeah. Good for good on you. Sorry I didn't know that. Yeah. The meeting is scheduled yeah. for tomorrow. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I thought I'd heard that, but anyways, yeah, I wanted to when you were talking about it last week, you said you were anticipating that we were going to be heading towards another big disappointment where the Republicans cave and Biden gets the debt ceiling. We just usually don't win these. We just usually don't. And the Senate without, I, yeah, that was my thought. You go ahead. What do I you know. Mean? Yeah. And I hate to, I, yeah, and I hate to say it, but I, I, I agree with you on that because I, you know, from the way this whole thing started back three or four months ago when, when, when McCarthy uh, met with Biden the first time and he, he said, oh yeah, we met and we had a good conversation, good I mean, you know as well as I do, these guys, he, they weren't going to get a deal done. I mean, you, you know, that, that was uh, that was anywhere close to being reasonable anyways. I think that, you know, with, with this meeting coming up tomorrow and with the deadline apparently coming up June 1st, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. you know, it's, 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 it's the same situation. I mean... Yeah, no, we've um, seen this movie several times now. Oh, oh I know. And it, and it happens every single time they come. They, you know, um, and the thing that just makes me furious is that you have guys like McCarthy, leaders like McCarthy and McConnell, and you know, either these guys. I mean, I personally myself, negotiation is a part of 
my job and what I do. And you've got these guys. I mean, McCarthy's, you know, you know, was, has been talking about, oh, you know, Biden won't meet with me. You know, he won't discuss anything. You know, it, it comes down to negotiation. And these guys either are the worst negotiators ever or... or um, Something's wrong with the comms they, team. Something comms, sorry, communications team. Something is very wrong with the communications team. I mean, it yeah. shouldn't be hard to find what the Republicans offered as their budget and a breakdown of it. You should be able to right. go online. You know what you should be able to do? You should be able to do what you used to be able to do, which is you go to the Speaker of the House's website, and it has story after story and easy graph after easy. They break it down for you. It's all right there. It's all right there. They used to do yep. that. The Speaker's offices used to do that. Communications has gotten so bad they should have been running every day with the story that what we're proposing is last year's spending. Who thought we were spending too little last year? How hard of a talking point is that to communicate to the American people? Do you think the yeah. American people know that that's what the Republicans are proposing? I don't. No. 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 Recklessly it, taking it, us off a cliff is what the American people think we're proposing. Yeah. And, and, Did we go and off the cliff me- last year? No. That's what we're proposing. Yeah, and and the the fact is, Seth, you know, is a you know, try, come back, put something on the table that that shows that you're serious about a negotiation. I'm talking about McCarthy at this point. Come back and say, look, um, you know, you know, the fact that he's even talking to this guy one on one. I mean that that concerns me just the fact that that he even thinks that biden i mean have mccarthy go in there and say look you're not making these decisions we know there's people behind the scenes making these decisions for you i want to meet with you no seriously and and then the other thing is uh go go with something to say look i don't want to meet you know i've been talking about meeting with you for the last three months we've got a border situation right now that's uh, on on red alert and it's, it's a you know what? Hold that situation. thought a minute, Steve. I'll come to that yeah. in a moment. Hold that thought. Okay. Because somewhere in what you said, there's something interesting. Wouldn't okay. it be interesting, given the dire seriousness of this situation, wouldn't it be interesting if Kevin McCarthy publicly proposed acknowledgement of how dire the situation is and said, let's get rid of all of it, our advisors. Let's get rid of all of the let's get rid of all of the comms people. Let's get rid of everyone and just me as speaker in the house, third in line or really second in line of succession and the president of the United States budgets originate in the house, me and the president in a room. We just meet together for a half an hour, 40 minutes, however long he wants, just one on one. Extend that challenge and see what would happen. It would be an interesting challenge to throw down. Look, Joe Biden can meet with Dylan Mulvaney one-on-one for God knows how long that meeting took place. Joe, B- Joe, yeah. they, just no advisors, no anyone, and, and bill it as, you know, because we don't want the distortions and we don't want li- any kinds of leaks and we just want to have a one-on-one. He's formerly of the Senate. I'm of the House. We're from both, you know, we both have legislative back. One-on-one. The Speaker of the House should be able to meet with the President one-on-one. Reagan and O'Neill did. They should be able to meet one-on-one. I would throw right. down that gauntlet 
as a as a, as a, as an offer and and a message, and then see how the Biden administration or the Biden team comes back. You know they'll never go for it. You know they'll never go no. for it. But it would be an interesting marker to lay down and an interesting offer to put forward because there's something well, behind that, not just the seriousness of it, but the well, desire to throw out all the baloney and see what you know you know what Biden's medal is. Well, yeah, and Seth. In addition to that, I mean, that's uh, I. I uh, that's, that's a, a political point. fight we'd win. Just yeah, having no that question. meeting, just having that I, meeting, I think, not getting to that meeting would be a political fight we would win. I got to take a break. Seth, can yeah. you just hold with me, yeah. and we'll come back on the, that other part that yeah. you wanted to bring up with regard to the border, or whatever else. But I think a one-on-one meeting, an offer of just and and do you know say, look, people are tired of the politics. People are tired of the spin. Let's just you and I go in. We'll have one piece of paper. We'll write down our own note together and we'll walk out together and we'll see what we can't get done on behalf of the American people. He'll never take that meeting. And that would be the story itself. How do you think the Biden administration is handling the economy? We've been talking a lot about it for the past uh, several segments and certainly several weeks and months. We've got banks failing, stock market volatility, a recession on the horizon, inflation. What if you could invest in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to any of that? Not the Fed, not the stock market. Why refi has that? They have an investment and a portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on, on and off. Compound it, whatever you like. No loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio that delivers a high fixed interest rate. Why refi is local. They're uh, right here on the 101 in Scottsdale Road. Uh, I encourage you to stop by. I've been there. And you won't get any kind of sales pitch. No one's going to ask you to sign anything. When you meet with the team at Y-Refi, you'll see why I like and trust them so much. And you can, too. A due diligence approved firm, you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right. A 10.25% fixed rate of return. Just check check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-34. 888-Y-REFI-34. Steve in Tempe. Thanks. Sorry, brother. Hey, Seth. Yeah. Yeah. No, your your, uh, point is an interesting one, but um, honestly, between you and I, I think having McCarthy meet with Joe Biden one-on-one to discuss um, discuss this, you know, I, I just don't think Biden has the mental capacity for it. Well, that's why and they'll never take wa- the meeting. They'll never oh, do it. Yeah. And it's a way, it's a way, be a waste of both of their time. But what I, the be a hell I'm of a win and it would be a hell of a good, good story though, wouldn't it? That he wouldn't do it. Yeah. 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 Well, I think we all, all know why he wouldn't do it. Too. Yeah. But, but, the, but I want the, the story out there to, that he won't do it. Yeah. But, but Seth, the, what I think, McCarthy, where McCarthy is missing on this is he needs to put something on the table to that we want to have completed before we even get to this uh, ceiling and get it getting it worked out or, or compromised on both sides and go to him and say, look, we've got a five alarm fire on the border right now, and we want this we want this border situation taken care of before we even start this thing. And and this is what we want to want to do. We want to go back to the you know whatever whatever the Trump administration 
policy was with that to temporarily or or hopefully permanently block what's going on right now or we're not going to sit down and get this thing done. I mean, go play hardball with him. Do something. Put something on the table where the American and the American public is behind this too cuz I don't think there's I think the majority of the American public know exactly what's going on with the border and even his own party doesn't like it. It's one of because the few issues. The, it's one of the few issues that seems to be peeling off a few Democrats here and there. Interestingly, it is. You're right about that, Steve. You do get border Democrat Congress people and Senator Cinema on that one. You do. You're right about that. You're right about that. It's um, it's an interesting thought. I, I kind of like my idea a little better. <laughs> but it's a good one. We'll put it in the mix. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.